Hi everyone. Hello. Thank you for joining in. Hi, my name is Dr. Trisha Rampersad. I'm the core behavioral therapist here. And today my guest is Leah Bricania. Am I saying your last name right? Yep, you nailed it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. So great. okay, I'm really, really happy. Um, so Leah is a woman's um, health and fitness coach and founder of the women's empowerment community, Strong Babes. As a health professional of seven plus years, she recognizes that health and fitness are more than just how women look, but most importantly, how they feel from the inside out. Her coaching style is relationship-based, where through, through a close relationship with her clients, she's able to build them a better relationship with themselves and truly feel stronger from the inside out. Leia believes that when you have a better relationship with yourself, mentally, physically, and spiritually, from what you eat to how you move your body, you are able to live as your best self in every season of your life. So welcome, Leia. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on. This is an honor. This is, I'm very, very, very happy that you're here. Um, So where are you from? So I'm originally from Bay Area, California. Specifically, I grew up in a small town called San Bruno, which is part of like, it's just south of San Francisco to be specific. Nice, nice. Now, and your family, where are they from? Um, Well, my family is originally from the Philippines. Um, However, my parents were born and raised in the U.S., so I'm technically second generation. That's so awesome. Second generation Filipina in the house. I'm so happy. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> I'm happy you on representing another island, a group of islands, which is pretty yes. cool. Um, but you're a Bay native, Californian, American first, which is yes. pretty awesome. Um, can you tell us what sacrifices do you think your family went through in order um, for you to be here, for the whole family to be here? Yes, I definitely think my family went through a lot of sacrifices, you know, essentially for our whole family and for me and and the generations after me to um, really go after what it looks, I mean, I think what people thought of back then as the American dream, Uh, but essentially for me to be successful and, you know, create create an amazing life. And it really started with my grandparents when they uh, first came here from the Philippines. They're actually among Um, one of the first groups of Filipinos to come to America. And so it wasn't common for uh, their generation to really come to America at the time that they did. And my grandma actually came here while she was pregnant with my mom. And prior to that, she already had um, four sons. And then after my mom, she had another daughter. So she was raising six children, essentially on her own, because my grandfather was part of the uh, U.S. Navy. And so he was um, always gone. And, but my grandma was a hustler. She not only raised six children, uh, but she invested in a lot of uh, different real estate and property. And so she was able through um, that type of investment provide for her children at that time and, and really make sure that they were able to get as much education as they could. And for first and second generation uh, Filipino families, it's very common for us to or for, our, I guess, our parents and our grandparents to want to assimilate to the American culture just because they believe that that was the right way 
in a sense, to um, also expand our education and really be as successful as we could be in another country that we're not native to. And so my, my grandma did an amazing job at that, raising her children and being able to be educated. And so, yeah, and then that just trickled down into the sacrifice that my parents made. Um, both my parents were hard workers. Um, both my parents worked full time to be able to put my sister and I through college and essentially, you know, pour into you know, pouring to us so that we would be successful in the careers we have today. That's so awesome. What a great story. So they were pioneers from the Filipino culture, which is pretty awesome. That is so cool. So cool. You You think you kept your culture intact? Um, You said you mentioned that they assimilated. Do you think that um, different aspects of your culture that you've, um, you've basically kept intact and you keep the traditions going on or not really or in the middle I think it it probably falls somewhere in between I think uh you know our cultural practices are more evident when we gather as a family we have family parties you know obviously around the holidays and things like that um we tend to keep uh, more of the culture that's surrounded around food and I think that I think unspoken culture like just kind of our how we pay respect to our elders you know how we treat our family you know Filipino families are very much family oriented and it's really all about family first yeah. you know and and so we've kept it up in in those sort of ways and yeah and especially like I said when it comes to food but I think that um in the process of assimilating a lot of like what my you know culture quote-unquote is now is you know, kind of American culture. And I mean, I understand what my background is and I understand, you know, what it looks like to pay respect to elders, you know, what it means to um, put family first, you know, but in a lot of ways that really just kind of merged in that I really am American Filipino, whereas America is not only my country, but, you know, that's essentially what my culture has really become as well. Yes, absolutely. American first. Uh, (laughs) Who would you say was your biggest influencer? I know you mentioned your grandmother. Who else? My biggest influence would probably be my mom, honestly. And just, I know that she was very close to my grandma as she was growing up and really just adopted and kind of really um, abided by whatever expectations and um, values that my grandma had. Yeah. And so similarly, I, I'm, I am my mother's daughter. And so I definitely, you know, grew up wanting to honor my mom, um, respect her. And um, what is the word really uh, not impress her, but make her proud, essentially. And she really uh, my early from early on and just kind of even now the way that I view life and my values, she really instilled a lot of that into me. And so my mom's really played the biggest influence, I think, in my entire life. Yes. Awesome. I met your sister, too. She's really, really nice and sweet. She's awesome. Yes. I love her, my younger sister. (laughs) She's absolutely great. And that's that's so powerful what you said about honoring your mom. That's so that's so awesome. You know, with everything, um, Leah, that's going on with the Asian community, and all the Asian hate, you mentioned that you're American first, and I totally agree with you. I can totally relate to that as well. Yeah. But what do you think is going on as far as mental health issues, as far as what is happening right now with Asian hate and um, the attacks on Asians, people who um, are of Asian descent? And it just, mm-hmm. it's just not um, with Chinese population. It's just anyone who looks Asian. Right. What do you think is going on there as far as all of this? 
Yeah, I think I think there's a lot that's going on, to be honest, and it is a lot to unpack. And I think that just, I mean, what the world and what our country alone has been through in the last year and a half with the pandemic, it's a lot. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, it comes down to psychologically, mentally, and emotionally what people are going through. Um, and I think that it, it's really just unfortunate. I think it, there's so much that we've had to wrap our head around in the last year and a half um, with different cultures and different ethnicities being attacked throughout the whole um, year and a half that we've been through. And I think specifically with the Asian community, it's just really been sad and heartbreaking to see what's been going on and how much just the brokenness of humanity um, out of their need to put a blame on someone or something just so they can have a better sense of control or be able to wrap their heads around it better, you know, um, pointing the finger and blaming and ultimately creating this culture of hate towards the Asian community. It's, it's absolutely not um, acceptable, nor is it the way, you know, to deal with the things that we've all had to deal with. And so it, I think it's really unfortunate. And I think that um, essentially what's happening is, is that there's just so much brokenness in humanity and there's such a, the, what the pandemic caused was just a heightened awareness of how much control we don't have over things that happen in life. And I think that scares a lot of people and it creates this, um, this, this, this gap psychologically and mentally and emotionally that uh, people don't really know what to do with. And so they've leveled to this low level thinking, low level way of living where they have to attack a certain community um, just so they can have that sense of control, you know, after feeling like they've lost all sense of control in the last year and a half. Absolutely. I totally feel for everyone who's been impacted. And um, I can only imagine um, this is a mental health podcast, as you know, and mm-hmm. I can only imagine about um, the anxiety that many people in the community may feel, right. the fear, the sadness you mentioned, right. depression. And it's just really, really sad that a finger was pointed to a whole population that this is the population that caused right. um, COVID and, and what have you. Um, yeah. Really, really sad. So, yeah. Um, and it's just, it really is like silly, to be honest, because it just accomplishes nothing. And, uh, you know, our people, we really are supposed to be one country. And people here, no matter what your ethnic ethnic background is, what you look like, um, you know, there's there's no really any any like sound reason to put blame um, and point the finger at someone who lives in the same country as you, who really like has no more control right. over what happened the pandemic than you do than the next neighbor. And really, like, I mean, it's the old saying goes, "Hate's never the answer; it's always love." Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just pray that you know, for all the hate that the Asian community has endured, you know, in the last several months, you know, that there would just be an outpour of love to follow. I totally agree. I agree. You mentioned praying. Is that one of your um, coping mechanisms or things you do in order to help you get centered mentally, emotionally, spiritually, considering all the hate that's been happening? Yes, absolutely. I, I really prayer is essentially the answer to everything. You know, of course, there are going to be practical things that we can do as a community, as a society together. But prayer really has to come first and foremost, because at the end of the day, there's going to be so much that continues to be out of our control. You know, like I said, that having control is really um, it's it's this human innate, like human out of our own 
flesh, like we need to have this sense of control, but ultimately all control is in God's hands. And the more that we can surrender and put our trust in God, uh, the more that we're going to feel grounded and be able to walk in peace, regardless of any chaos that's going around us. So yeah, prayer is a huge part of my life. It's essentially how I start my day so that, you know, no matter what I encounter throughout the day, no matter who I encounter throughout the day, there's just this grounding and this peace that just resides in me and through me uh, that just keeps me holding on to God's truth and, and remembering that he's in control ultimately. Amen. That's great. Preach. Preach. <laughs> Thank you. you've integrated this in strong babes um the yeah. program that you have which i i personally joined i absolutely loved it um thank you so much leah is just great her program is pretty on point it's pretty awesome um and you've integrated uh that into your program prayer and and what have you um do you feel it was your calling how did you basically come to it Yes, absolutely. First and foremost, thank you. And it was such a pleasure to have you and to be able to just walk alongside you in your health and fitness journey. So thank you for being a part of it. And yes, I do believe it it is part of my calling. Um, I think that, uh, you know, God has a specific calling for each and every one of us. And our callings are going to look different in different seasons. And so um, I recently heard um, a pastor post something where you are calling never changes but your assignment will in through different seasons and so my calling as a fitness professional and even just as um you know a follower of christ has always been to reach women and to i've been a personal trainer now for the last seven years and so my calling has never changed in how god wants to reach people through me in specifically through using health and fitness and but recently I've, I've gone more online to expand my reach and be able to be available to serve more women um, across the country, essentially, hopefully across the globe eventually. Yes. And so I, I do this, believe it is part of, you know, <laughs> this whole yes. people from different islands and nations yes. and stuff will hear this and want to be part of it. <laughs> yes. Amen. Yes. Come join. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially to answer your question, I, I do believe it is part of my calling. I love that. I absolutely love it. You said seven years ago you started? Yeah, seven years ago, I started as a personal trainer. And then since then, just how I approach fitness as a professional has really evolved since then. So I'm still a personal trainer because first and foremost, that's how my my uh, career started. That's what I, you know, what I, I really am really good at. And, uh, but now I see myself more as a coach, as a, a women's health and fitness coach, because it, it's so much more than just the personal training aspect. Yeah, yeah. I really believe in women empowerment and women helping each other and help lift each other up. Um, this jealousy and I think D, uh, DJ Khalid actually spoke about that last night. At the, I was watching the BET words and he said, oh. you know, there's no space for hate or jealousy, like what you're talking about, hate and and I so and you empower women like all yes. different types of nationalities and you yeah. totally help empower them. Um, what are some success stories women have come up to you and said about your program and about how? you? Yes. Well, the title of the program is Revive. And so Revive. what I've heard a good portion of the women uh, who have gone through the Revive program say is that they really, really have experienced that that self-revival you know, in their mind, um, in their emotions, in their spirit, and in their body. And that's essentially the goal, you know, and, and a lot of women have really understood what it means and what it looks like to eat for their body, to move for their body and really how to make it a lifestyle that works for them. You know, we've had moms, 
We've had um, young professionals like yourself, you know, uh, business owners, uh, students, you know, ranging from mid 20s, you know, somewhere to like mid 40s. And so there's all different types of walks of life. You know, back in the day, um, we've like through the program, we've been able to, as a team, as a team of strong babies, be able to encourage one another to, you know, do the thing that they're doing, wear all the hats that they're wearing from business owner to mom to, you know, career driven to, you know, creative ministry, whatever it is, and still be able to have health and fitness a part of their life. You know, there's so many programs out there that are great programs. There's great programs out there. A lot of times we think as a society of, of health and fitness, or even just a training program, we think about the workouts, yeah. right? And maybe sometimes we think about the nutrition side of things, um, but rarely do I ever think of it as a spiritual uh, and mental and a physical thing that is, it's really that holistic side of health. And that, to me, that's how you really truly achieve health is when you are, you have the nutrition down, you're able to move your body. It's not just working out, but you know, you don't have to go and sweat it out in the gym for two hours, but can we move our body every day? You know, and then are we working on growing in our relationship with God and with others, you know, to really build this holistic way of living where fitness does become a truly a part of your lifestyle rather than trying to mold yourself into you know, whatever this idea of what fitness should be based on social media. I love that. Speaking of social media, I feel like this is my opinion. It can be good and it could be bad for especially women as far as body image issues and concerns. Do you have anything to say about that? Yes, so much. But um, I'll try to free. Yeah, I mean, like what you were saying just a moment ago about the jealousy and, and the whole comparison thing, you know, I really believe, I truly believe comparison really is the thief of joy. You know, we can really rob ourselves of so much life and the life that we are meant to live individually um, just by continuing to compare ourselves. And social media, unfortunately, makes it really hard not to compare ourselves. You know, like I still find myself having to be really intentional how I use social media and be really intentional with the thoughts that I allow myself to think, you know, which is really hard. You yeah. know, our, our mind, um, our minds are so vulnerable. But they're also really powerful. So when we, when we learn to get a hold of our minds, it really shifts the way that we begin to live because it shifts how first how we think about ourselves and how we think about ourselves is how essentially we view the world and how we go about life. And so, you know, with social media, like you said, it can be such a powerful tool, both negatively and positively. But I think that if we can really, you know, this is why I'm so passionate as a, as a health coach to get our minds in control first. Yeah. you know, and really be able to create, um, and use social media. And, and I, I believe the way that it was meant to be used in such a, in a positive uplifting, um, connecting way, where we're able to connect with others in a way that we weren't able to before, you know, social media prior to all this, you know, amazing technology. But I think that if we go in it unintentionally and just kind of mindlessly scroll and allow ourselves to be on the app whenever, however, you know, and not really be aware when those comparison thoughts kick in, you know, I think that's when social media really becomes more of a negative uh, tool rather than a positive one. That's so good, Leah. That's so good. Um, Where do you see yourself five years from now? Oh, five years from now, man, girl, wherever God has me, honestly. (laughs) But, um, you know, hopefully is still doing what I'm doing, just probably on a larger scale, you know, reaching more women, uh, really serving and, you know, actively walking in my calling so that I can actively ignite others to walk in their calling too. So of that, yeah. I feel like this is like a ministry for you too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do feel your calling. <laughs> I absolutely Thank love you. it. 
if Thank people, you. you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> people want, I, well, let me just say people have, my family has noticed a major change in me and after your program and everything. So thank yes, you. Yes, Major changes. <laughs> you did that girl. So proud of you. <laughs> with you, with your help and God's help, of course. <laughs> I, I've I've done exercises from Leah's program. It's called Revive Strong Babes, and that I actually love, and I saw results. I really, really, really like it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> someone wanted to join because you are reaching a different type of audience here, yes. um, which I love. I absolutely love. If someone wanted to join your program, Revive, um, or wanted to just get in touch with you for prayer or even just a chit chat, um, do you have yes. information or an email? Or yes, absolutely. Yeah. First of all, I would love anybody who wants to reach out. You know, whether it's inquiring about the program or just want to reach out for prayer, like you said, please reach out. Don't hesitate. Um, you definitely can email me. It's my first and last name um, at gmail.com. Um, but also I'm really active on Instagram. And so it's the same as my email. So I'll spell it out. It's L-E-A-H. And then my last name, R-E-C-A-N-I-A, either at Gmail or on Instagram. Those are probably the two best ways to reach me. Thank you so much, Leah. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This was such a treat. Um, I just loved having you on. And mm-hmm. we are having a second generation American Filipina representing the islands of the Philippines here. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Leah, again, for coming on the Core Behavioral Therapist podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Thank you, Trish. Bye. Bye. <laughs>